I mean, the thing about humans, and, and this isn't this isn't you know to flatter you. The thing about humans is that we all possess in us a deep creativity. Um, we all do, and and you see this when you work with young people. You know, young people haven't given up yet, and they're just extraordinarily imaginative. And what happens over time is the fight, the desire, the courage. That special quality is beaten out of people over time. I mean, one of my heroes is Van Gogh. Van Gogh was not a talented painter when he was young. He was, in fact, an extremely untalented painter. If you go back and look at Van Gogh's paintings from early in his life, they're not very good at all. They're not very imaginative. They're not very technically proficient. There's nothing special about them. But what he had in him was heart. He had fights, and he didn't give up. Um, and over time, he developed this very special system. And I think that's really what it is that defines true artists. I think it's people like you who don't give up, who don't quit. And so at the end of the day, this sounds strange, but it's true. I think it's really heart. It's heart that defines the artist. It's courage that defines the artist because it gives them the ability to break through and do what everyone else has the potential to do, but other people have given up along the way. Is there a book that you find yourself returning to uh, for morale reasons? Yeah, my favorite book and the book that I read uh, over and over and over again is uh, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. And the reason I love that book so much is I have, a, I have something of a, of, a, of a mild military background. I went through boot camp when I was 18. A lot of my family uh, was in the military. And there's a tragic story at the center of it of a young man who goes to the First World War and is totally broken by it. But even as he's broken by it, he speaks in the most beautiful poetry and he has these conversations with the trees and with the sky and you feel you enter his mind in the middle of his grief and his trauma but in the middle of that you also feel his incredible power and the incredible strength of his life and the sense that even though he was damaged beyond repair he is also strong beyond being broken and so whenever i pick up mrs dalloway and read it i feel myself like i have a power in me that can survive destruction i feel like i might know your answer for this but i'm i'm curious if i just finished reading your book i close the last page do you have a hope as an author what i would take away from that or is the purpose of reading to take away your own thing that's disconnected from the author well both first of all the number one thing I hope you take away from the book is I just hope you feel a little more empowered. Uh, and what I mean by that is simply that I think literature and books and movies and comics and all this great stuff that grows out of myths and legends and the stage and comes to us now in novels and screens, that is the most powerful thing that humans have ever invented. That's the most powerful thing that humans ever invented. And why? Because it plugs into the most powerful thing on earth, which is the human brain. I mean, the brain is this extraordinary thing. As we all know, it can do fantastic, amazing, unprecedented things. You look at the world we've built, it's the weirdest, wildest, most imaginative, strangest, most extraordinary planet, but it's also a planet we're destroying, we're annihilating, we're wiping it out in years. And so you just think of the extraordinary power that is in all of our heads. And what literature is, is it's, it's a technology for getting more out of your head. Anything your brain can do, literature can help you do it a little bit better. So the number one thing I hope you take away from the book is, oh my goodness, there's so much out there that I can plug into my head, get more out of my head. But the choice in terms of what to plug into your head is entirely up to you.
In 2021, is great literature, in a sense, devalued amongst young people? Do you see that trend at all? Well, I think what's happened is that our schools are terrible. Our schools are absolutely terrible. And so what ends up happening is if you're a young person, you go to school and you're assigned some book, which is probably just a great book or an interesting book or a poem or whatever. And then it's just incredibly boring what you do with it and you become alienated from it um, and you don't have the help and the support. I mean, the truth is literature is not the easiest thing in the world to read. It's not easy to read Homer or Sappho, you know, I mean, these books are hard. Um, but the point of life and the point of school and the point of older people is to give us that assist is to help us do something hard in the same way that when you're young, you need someone to help you train your body and become stronger. You know, the same thing with your literary muscles and your brain, but we don't get that in school. And so I think what ends up happening is, is we basically kind of uh, uh, go find our own stories. We sort of um, self-medicate ourselves on books that we like, uh, stories that we like, poems that we like, and that's good, that's healthy. You should feel empowered to read the stories that you like. That's your brain telling you, this stuff is good, this is helping you. But we also need that extra step of going beyond, of stretching our brains, of going into that slightly harder area, and most of all, just expanding. I mean, it's just like your hometown is great. There's cool stuff in your hometown. Um, there's wonderful people there. There's extraordinary people. But don't you want to travel? Don't you want to go outside your hometown? Don't you want to see all the amazing cultures of this earth? And that's what the library on, on, on your bookshelf is. It's a chance to go beyond your hometown and explore everything that humans have been and can be. How should parents or a school system talk to young people about books? It, I totally agree. It's so foundational. And unfortunately, I have the memories being in elementary school or middle school where when the book came out, that was a chore and an assignment, a mandatory assignment. And when the TV rolled out on the, the VHS, that was our, our fun. That was our break. And that transitions back home where when I'm allowed to watch TV, this is my fun. When my parents are telling me to read that book. And, and while I don't know if that's human nature, I don't know if that's natural with our brains, it kind of seems like it is, is enforced culturally. Uh, do you think that we gravitate to, to films or what is easy versus uh, reading a book? Or do you think it's strictly cultural? This has no genetic implication favoring one or the other. I think it's almost entirely cultural. Um, and the reason for that is almost yeah. the stuff that we now think of as great literature, whether it's Shakespeare, whether it's Homer, whether it's whoever, those are the most popular and beloved authors in their time. Those are the ones you would break out of your parents' house to go see on the sly, you know? I mean, that was the equivalent of today's uh, TV and film. And really the problem is that you are forced to read stuff in school. You're told what book to read. Whereas when it comes to TV and film, you can choose. And so the number one thing I would do in terms of changing the way that literature is taught is I would let students choose what to read. When I teach in my classes, I do not assign any books. I do not assign any books. I tell my students, bring in your favorite works, or if you don't have one, talk to someone you admire and respect and bring in their favorite work, and then we'll learn about it together. And, you know, to me, the most exciting and primordial experience of being a reader is to walk into a library. Why? Because you can choose anything. I mean, that's the most fun thing in the world, just to walk into an open space, just to feel, it's like walking to an airport with a ticket to fly anywhere. 
And in school, we just take that away, we force you to read a book, and then even worse, we force you to write papers on it, which is completely counterproductive, accomplishes nothing intellectual, does not grow your brain, and in fact, gets your brain going the opposite direction. So I do think if you're wanting to empower your kids, if you're a teacher, you want to empower your students, number one, ask them what they want to read. Don't tell them what to read, ask them what they want to read. And then number two, instead of having them write papers, have them write other literature. Have them write poems. Have them write short stories. That's the way that the human brain learns and grows. I've always wondered about the pop culture sentiment or the historical um, nature of different authors or great books. I would hear stories like philosophers that had no one ever wanted to publish their books and no one ever, it was like a diary they found. They had no fan base whatsoever. And a hundred years later, they're brilliant. I'm, I'm very curious about like Shakespeare and, and the, the legends were they pop culture? Were they a favorite? Or are there those like sleeper picks where 20 years after their death, we kind of start appreciating? Where, where do you think that even comes from? The idea of appreciating great work while someone's alive in time making great work? Yeah, that's a brilliant question. And of course, the answer like to all historical questions is both are true. Um, sometimes you're lucky enough to be appreciated in your time. And usually the reason for that is as a writer, you're always seeing a little bit into the future. I mean, because that's what it is to be creative. To be creative is to make something new. You know, that, you know what that's like. And the question is, are you creating something that people are ready for now? Or are you creating something that they're only going to be ready for in 100 years? And as a creator, you don't really know the difference. You just know that you're seeing the future. So Shakespeare, very popular in his time. Then after he died, not so popular for a while. People were like, oh, this is weird. And then about 150 years or so after that, people were like, this is genius. Sappho, very popular in her time. Jane Austen, not so popular in her time, but then got more popular. And it's a mix and match with a lot of these different, different writers. But ultimately, at some point, if you're seeing the future, the future will catch up to you. Is there a risk in 20, 30, 50 years that young people are being pushed away from the arts? Young people are afraid to take the leap um, because maybe society devalues it. Maybe there's parental influence. We're like, whoa, my kid can't be an artist. Is there a great risk that art will suffer if parents aren't uh, willing to be a little nervous about their kid's trajectory? Oh my goodness, absolutely. And not only is art going to suffer, our entire society is going to collapse. I mean, art really is the foundation of so much in this world. On a basic level, it's just the reason we get up in the morning because art gives us the why. It gives us this spiritual sense of meaning, of purpose to our brain. It then gives us emotional healing and health. And then it gives us intelligence, creativity, all these wonderful things. And the problem with what's happening now is we live in a world where we're obsessed with computers. Um, and computers are not humans. Computers are things that think in terms of right and wrong and absolutes and data and all this kind of stuff. And then we go to school and we teach and we treat students like computers. We say, take these standardized tests, memorize these things, do this critical thinking, all this kind of nonsense. And actually what it is to be a human being is, and we all know this in our hearts, is to be creatively free. That's the essence of being a human. And that's why we are successful as humans when we're given the space to be creative, when we're allowed to be free, we give back wonderful things to the world. And when we're caged, when we're forced into jobs, when we're forced into a kind of bureaucratic system, we become depressed and we also become angry. And so we either give up or we lash out. 
And when you look around the world and you see all the kind of emotional turmoil that people are experiencing, it's because of that. It's because we're treating humans like machines instead of treating us like what we are, which is just these enormous creative spaces of possibility.